Hi there, my name is Michelle Ann Olson, and welcome to Are You Afraid of the Bark, the podcast dedicated to paranormal animal stories and to other strange and disturbing animal phenomena. I'm coming at you once again with a fairly ragged voice. Our summer camps at the aquarium are ongoing, my role as a camp counselor is ongoing, and I feel like I'm spending my Monday to Friday just, uh, Overutilizing my voice and trying to corral between 20 and 30 kids. So lately, by the time I get to the weekend, I am sounding ragged or raspy. I do apologize for that tone or quality to my voice. I really have to learn how to do some, some vocal exercises and, and like strengthen my vocal cords like a muscle if I'm going to survive the next three weeks of summer camps because we're plowing ahead until uh, Labor Day. So anyway, that's to explain maybe the zombie-like quality of my presentation today. I don't know, maybe it does add to my stories. I just think that I sound run off my feet. This is episode three, and before I get started, I would like to briefly comment on episode two. Apparently the topic of the LA Pet Cemetery and the ways in which people memorialize their dead pets and the topic of down the road potentially losing our own pets, apparently that did cause some people to feel sad, and I heard that maybe a few listeners even cried while listening to that episode. I know that the topic was a little bit emotional for me, so I do apologize. It's not my intention to leave you feeling sad or to make you cry. Hopefully episode three can get back to the thrills and chills of our spooky paranormal topics. Uh, Let's bring things back to the realm of the paranormal with hopefully a good ghost story. Today I'm talking about something that I was aware of before I started this podcast, long before I had read up on this topic. And if you're familiar, hopefully I'm able to present some new theories. I was able to find some scientific and paranormal theories to explain this topic, and and hopefully some of them are new to you, even if, like me, you were aware of this place before now. That place is the Dog Suicide Bridge. This bridge is known as Overton Bridge. It's located on a road approaching Overton House, which is a historic house near Dumbarton in Scotland. This bridge is quite beautiful. It's got this gothic architecture. Even the people who walk across this bridge report this kind of tingle, this feeling of electricity in the air. It is overgrown. This this really beautiful gothic structure, but even looking at pictures, there is a sense of creepiness or unease about it. The bridge was completed in 1895 and was designed by quite a well-known landscape architect named H.E. Milner. What makes this bridge so famous today is that since the 1950s and 1960s, 50 different dogs have leapt over the side of the bridge and to their deaths in the waterfalls below. It's about a 50-foot drop into the water below, And these 50 dogs have jumped from the same side of the bridge, from the same point between two parapets, to their death. And over 600 dogs since the 50s and 60s have also jumped and miraculously survived. So this phenomena of dogs crossing the bridge and being compelled to leap 
in this same spot for decades and decades. This is what gives the bridge its name of the Dog Suicide Bridge. Now, what's perhaps strangest about this phenomena is that the dogs who survive will sometimes climb out of the ravine below the bridge and immediately try to fling themselves off of that point between the two parapets again. They feel compelled to jump. There are some factors that link all of the victims of this compulsion. It should be noted that, like I said, they all jump from the same side of the bridge. They most often jump in clear weather, so not when it's foggy or when the water below is obscured by fog. It's most often on bright, clear days, and the most frequent victims of this compulsion are what we call dolicephalic breeds or long-snouted breeds. So think like a German Shepherd, think like Irish Setter, dogs that have been bred to have excellent sense of smell and have traditionally been used maybe for hunting or tracking animals. That is the kind of dog that most often is compelled to jump from the bridge. Now, when it comes to the question of the dog suicide bridge, most of your research, most of my research, uh, led me back to a canine psychologist and behaviorist in the United Kingdom named Dr. David Sands, and he has done the most comprehensive scientific study of this bridge, examining a number of factors that he thought could contribute to the phenomena of dogs leaping from the bridge. He really hesitates to talk about these leaps as being suicidal. He does not believe that dogs are necessarily capable of suicide or willfully taking their own lives. There have been cases in the animal kingdom of animals seemingly choosing to die or seeking out their death. Stories of dogs that hold their head underwater even when they've been rescued. Uh, stories of animals leaping from cliffs, though this is often when they're presented with that outcome versus that of being caught by a predator. So he, Dr. Sands, is really quick to shy away from the word suicide in reference to this bridge and to this phenomena. He points out that when animals are close to death, as when they're sick or aging, it's much more likely for them to leave their family and to seek out a quiet place to spend their final moments. This could come back to the idea of protecting a herd from their poor health, which could make them slower or more susceptible to predators. So sure, if a cat or a dog is close to death, they might run away from home, leave their family, and seek out a quiet place to die with dignity. But again, he is really, really hesitant to call this phenomena a suicide, a willful action by the dogs to end their lives. So when he started his study, he was convinced that something was luring the animals to their death. And initially, there were theories that it might have to do with some kind of sound frequency created by the water beneath the bridge, or even by like a, an electrical facility nearby, that there was some kind of frequency imperceptible to humans that was causing the dogs to sort of lose it and to jump to their deaths. 
but this doesn't really explain that they all jumped from the exact same spot. And they did studies on that sort of electrical plant and found that there were no frequencies being emitted that could explain away this kind of behavior. So what Dr. Sands discovered is that with all of the foliage growing on either sides of the bridge, and if you look at photographs, you'll see that it's very overgrown. Apparently, dogs who have a lowered point of view, sort of below the sides of the bridge with this, this overgrowth surrounding the immediate sides of the bridge, apparently from their vantage point, they don't necessarily know that to jump over the side of the bridge represents such an extreme drop down into the water below. They might even think from that vantage point that to jump over the side of the bridge just represents a, a jump over a fence onto equal footing on the other side. So that is his first sort of theory about why they might be jumping, that they don't know that to jump represents danger, and certainly not that it represents such a significant fall into water. In terms of what's compelling them to jump in the first place, it was discovered that male minks are endemic to the region. So the mink being this sort of small animal, like a wild ferret. And apparently the male mink's urine is super, super, super pungent. So the fact that the deaths always happen on clear, windless days or in a certain time of year when the weather is very like sunny and bright and not obscured by rain or fog, his theory is that there might be minks in the region who are urinating below the bridge and that that smell is so overwhelming or enticing that the dogs, not being aware of the drop on the side of the bridge, just like are compelled to, to seek it out. And he actually did this series of experiments using the urine of different kinds of animals and found that something like 70% of the dogs who were all long snouted breeds that he worked with, they like seem to forget all commands when in the presence of this 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 mink urine like it was so overwhelming and interesting to them that they just ran straight for it and and couldn't be recalled this was sort of the scientific study of the area undertaken in the UK and when you research the bridge it's the conclusions of Dr Sands that you're going to find most of the time now, something else that, that is interesting regarding Dr. Sands' theory is that the 50s and 60s, which represent the timeline of when the purported dog suicides began in earnest, also lines up with the introduction of the mink to uh, Scotland. So there is some sort of evidence to support Dr. Sands' theory. But that's not to say that his theory is widely accepted. On the contrary, there are a number of hunters who claim that there are no minks in the area. I just want to quote John Joyce, a local hunter who's lived in the area around Overton for 50 years. And he was quoted as saying, there are no mink around here. I can tell you that with absolute certainty. One of the people who does not subscribe to this scientific study or its conclusions is an author named Paul Owens. And Paul Owens is the author of a book called The Baron of Rainbow Bridge, Overton's Death Leaping Dog Mystery Unraveled. This book, we posted it to our social media. Take a look at the cover because it is 
phenomenal. It is fantastic. It is just so many things happening at once from the papyrus font to the leaping dogs to sort of the flamboyant color scheme. It's everything. Anyway, check it out. It's on our social media if you haven't seen it already. Owens subscribes to a decidedly less scientific and more supernatural reasoning as to why Overton Bridge has claimed the lives of so many canines over the years. There is a Celtic saying that says, Heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in thin places that distance is even shorter. He, Owens, sort of subscribes himself to the idea that this bridge might represent what is called in pagan Celtic belief a thin place, where the boundary between heaven and earth, or between sort of the corporeal reality and some sort of supernatural beyond, is especially thin. And it could be that the dogs are intuitive to that thinning between the realms and are leaping in an attempt to get to this other side. In his book, Owens, he proposes that Overton has a historical record of being associated with supernatural activities. So apparently there are lots of stories in this area about fairies, spirits, earth energies, and ghosts. And it could be that dogs, which are maybe more sensitive to those supernatural energies, are tapping into something, being drawn to it, being drawn to this other realm, and making this literal, this physical leap of faith, like maybe they're trying to get to the other side. He also thinks that the bridge itself is haunted. The nearby Overton estate and the bridge was apparently haunted by one Lady Overton who walked along the bridge grief-stricken after her husband's death in 1908. This is a direct quote from Owens regarding the bridge. He says, I was up there one summer's day and I felt a very strong jab, like a phantom finger, twice in my back. It was the sensation you get when you fear someone might push you over the edge of a train platform. It's a very strange place. One of the things peculiar to the location is that it can seem very peaceful and tranquil, but it can turn at a moment's notice, end quote. So he believes that this is a supernatural place, that this is a haunted place, and that the dogs are responding to that aspect, which we maybe can feel in the form of unease, but certainly not see or hear in the same way that they can. Another behaviorist, Stan Rawlinson, is suggesting that because dogs are colorblind and have perceptual problems relating to colors and depth perception, might cause them to accidentally run off the bridge. So that said, there have certainly been a number of sinister, even evil incidents associated with the area that do seem to be in line with Owens's theory. In 1994, a man named Kevin Moy, he was 32, he threw his infant son off the parapet of the bridge, claiming that his son was the Antichrist. He then tried to jump off the bridge to follow his baby to his death, but was thwarted by his wife who had to physically restrain him. Then when police took him into custody, he tried to slash his wrists with a kitchen knife. That attempt was also thwarted. 
He was eventually found not guilty by reason of insanity and has been in a state hospital since. But that malevolence, that the malevolence of that incident is now forever ingrained in the area's history, forever associated with the bridge itself. I would also like to mention that nearby Dumberton has an unusually high rate of suicide. So suicide is the leading cause of death among young people, and apparently that suicide rate is only continuing to rise. So this has led some to posit that there is something evil, something malevolent present in this area of the country, period, and that that directly ties to the behavior of the dogs over the bridge. I'd like to close with two stories from owners whose dogs were victims to whatever is happening on the bridge. Donna Cooper lost her collie, Ben, in 2005 on the bridge. She reported to the Daily Mail that after he jumped, his paw was broken, his jaw was broken, his back was broken and badly twisted. The vet decided it wasn't worth putting him through the pain, so we had to let him go. So Ben did jump from the bridge from that same spot and lost his life. Cassie, on the other hand, is one of the few dogs to survive the fall. Cassie is three years old, and she was being walked by her owner, Alice Trevorrow, and her son, Thomas. Cassie is a Springer Spaniel, and she suddenly leapt from the bridge for no apparent reason. This is what Alice told a paper called The Daily Record. We had just got out of the car, and Cassie immediately made her way to the bridge. She turned her head, looked up, and did this massive leap. I will never forget the awful whine she made as she leaped. My son looked down, and all he could see was a dot. She managed to get herself up and meet my son, collapsing when she saw him. How she survived that, I'll never know. So, just so that you know, if you're ever in the area, why you would bring your dog on this bridge, why you would take a chance, is beyond me, but to warn others who might not have that good sense, there is now a sign present on either side of the bridge that says, please keep your dogs on a lead. This is a dangerous bridge. And that is the very mysterious story of Overton Bridge in Scotland, the dog suicide bridge. As much research as I did into the topic, I wasn't really able to find a satisfactory answer, only these many different theories to explain what would compel these dogs to seemingly leap to their death. Again, all that I can say is that if I had a dog, and if I found myself in Scotland facing that warning sign, I would just turn around. It's probably for the best. Better safe than sorry, regardless of what you believe. And that brings us to the end of episode three. As always, I'd like to thank you so much for being here with me. I love these stories and I have so many more that I'm looking forward to telling in the coming weeks. So thank you for joining me. I will once again implore you, if you like the podcast at all, if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is essentially iTunes, leave a starred and written review of the podcast. That is the best way to let me know that you're listening and that you like it because that will directly impact how many people are able to see the podcast and might potentially listen to it. I am so grateful to my family and friends who are listening and who text me and Facebook message me their feedback but that public feedback would just be so helpful and so useful. 
You can reach out to me in a number of other ways, as always, on Facebook at AYAOTB Podcast, on Instagram at Afraid of the Bark Podcast, by email at Afraid of the Bark Podcast at gmail.com, and on Twitter at Afraid of the Bark. One of my good friends uh, said that she hopes that in the future I'll be able to share listener stories of encounters with paranormal animals, and I really do want to do that. We, myself and my former co-host, had asked for your stories in the previous version of the podcast, and I think we had maybe one person submit their story, which was appreciated, but I'd love to really get the ball rolling on that and, and have a listener episode to be able to share your stories, your encounters with the paranormal, specifically with animal hunting. So if you have a story, please share it with me, like by email, by Facebook Messenger, however you like. I'd like to put together that episode. I have so many topics that I want to explore on my own, but I also want you to have a voice and to hear about what your experience with the paranormal as it relates to animals has been. So if you have any story, no matter how like long or short, just send it to me, please. And, and if I have permission to, to read it on the podcast, all the better. So that's it. That's episode three. And I'm so grateful to have you here. And at this point, I'm just rambling. So I think I'm going to leave you by simply wishing, as I always do, that you have sweet dreams tonight. Thanks again. Ha ha ha!